This is Heather Meckes, Director of Discipleship at CRC, and this is our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you, encourages you, and allows you to see how God is moving in and around you. If you would like to check out more resources, go to coopersvillereform.com. Enjoy the message. On April 24th and on May 1st, uh, we will have lunch provided. It'll be from 12 until 1.30, and then you can come for that class. And if you want to sign up, you can just email me or talk with me, and I can give you more information on that. At this time, if you're a child who is kindergarten age or younger, um, preschool, you'll be headed down to Little Tykes Theater, down with Miss Michelle. If you are new here today, at the end of the service, you can pick your child up by going down these stairs and through the doors. The first Mackenzie Meckes. Um, I'm a junior here at One Way, and I will be sharing one part of our three-point message this morning. So I want to begin with a little background on our message. Uh, when we first got together as a student leadership group to plan out what it was that um, God was laying on our hearts to teach, we heard the theme of it's time and God is coming, not in a revelation end of time sense, but rather it's time to change our relationship with God so that we can go better disciple others. And then with getting this theme, we also got three words, which were change, change, and cherish. And then with those words, we got this image. And this image is based around the idea of chains. Um, these chains are holding this person, meant to represent us in between what is the world and things of this earth, and then God in our personal relationship with him. And then um, these chains on the bottom are holding us back and keeping us separated from God. But then we also have these chains on top that are a lifeline from God that are keeping us connected to him. But because of the chains on the bottom that are holding us back, um, we aren't able to be fully connected or present in our relationship with God. So these chains are meant to represent anything that is a block between us and God. Um, Chains could look like anything. It could be an illness, either mental or physical. A lie you're hearing that you're not a good friend, sibling, or parent. Um, It could be an addiction or sin that is making you feel such shame that you feel that you need to hide from God and those that love you. Or it could be a life-changing event that has left you feeling lost, broken, and hurting, and questioning God. These chains are going to look different for each one of us. But the point is that your chains are of the world in the sense that they are not from God, but instead come from the brokenness and sin of this world. These chains are whatever makes you personally feel distance from God. And to give you a personal example of what these chains can look like is my friend Abby. Like Kenzie said, my name is Abby, and I'm going to share a little part of my life story with you. From the age of two, I struggled with every kind of allergy you can imagine, from egg, gluten, beef, 
pork, corn, soybean, nuts, many fruits, environmental allergies, as well as dogs and other animals. My diet consisted of mostly the same five foods every day. With these allergies came eczema so severe it kept me up at night and I would cry out to God in so much pain and question why this was happening to me. In this dark time of my life, I felt the presence of Satan and dark spirits surrounding me to the point where I was scared to even leave my room at night. Everywhere I looked, I sensed demons in the windows, in the hallways, and behind my doors. I felt Satan telling me that I wasn't good enough for God, and I started to believe it. The guilt and shame of my sin started to weigh me down, and I thought that I didn't deserve God's forgiveness and grace. I would consider the eczema and allergies as a chain holding me to the world and away from God, because I thought it was a punishment that I deserved from God for my sins. At our youth group trip to Picture Rocks this summer, during what some of us like to call cry night, even though Dory hates that term, there had been a bucket of water in the middle of the room because it related to the lesson. I felt God calling me to stand in the bucket of water because my ankles were the only spot left on my body still covered with eczema. Sydney, Ashlyn, and my closest friend Mackenzie were praying over me and it was very powerful. In those moments, I cried out to God, and I finally believed that a miracle would happen where I was going to experience my full and complete healing. However, when I looked down to my dismay, no change had occurred. At least that's what I thought at the time. I wasn't necessarily mad at God, but my heart broke a little because, again, I started to think that maybe I deserved it because of my past mistakes. My problem was that I expected all these big moments or so-called mountaintop experiences of my faith to break my chains and solve all of my problems in an instant. Since last summer, I think the biggest thing that God taught me was that we can't put our human expectations onto him, a holy God, because his ways are higher than ours. Miracles can happen, and it's so incredible and beautiful, and that's what God decides to do. But we have to remember that they happen at God's will and not just when we want them to. A word that has been in my heart for a long time is consistency. Being consistent in your faith is so important to break the chains that are keeping you in a worldly mindset. Romans 12:2 says, Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God what is good and acceptable and perfect. By making the Lord your number one priority and fully submitting yourself to his will every single day, that's when you'll see changes and your chains breaking. Being intentional in your time with God and listening for his voice over the world will transform your whole life. Even though my healing didn't happen instantaneously, that night in Pictured Rocks was a turning point in my journey of faith. And now, only by the grace and glory of Jesus Christ, am I almost fully healed. So like we heard from Abby, our chains are anything that is keeping us from being fully loved, forgiven, and accepted by our Lord and Savior. So the question is, what is it that is keeping us from God? And what do our own personal chains look like? These questions connect with our theme of its time by prompting us to realize that it's time to figure out what's keeping us from God 
because in taking that step of realizing what is keeping us from God, we are able then with God to figure out how to break and be set apart from the world. And this leads us to the next part of our message, which is change. Hi, so I'm Caleb Kaiser and I have the first section of our part on change. So Christian change is not the restoration or breaking of habits. It is best described as a new creation, a complete tearing down of the old and replacing it with the new. What comes to mind is a butterfly after it goes through metamorphosis. It enters this stage as a caterpillar bound to walk from leaf to leaf, slow, cumbersome, and with a huge appetite. Compare this with a graceful butterfly that floats along with the wind and even travels thousands of miles. A monarch caterpillar might never leave the plan on which it was hatched, yet an adult travels 2,000 miles and migrates to Mexico. This change is complete, dramatic, and permanent. To see a butterfly that refuses to fly means something is wrong with it, but to see a caterpillar that tries to fly is like Pastor John trying to pull off the buzz cut. <laughs> What does this type of change mean for a Christian? Consider the Apostle Paul who writes, I was the worst among sinners. Yet we see someone who boldly preached Christ, one who traveled thousands of miles by land and sea to start churches and to obey our holy God. Yet he was the early church's greatest enemy and was even responsible for their deaths. What happened? On one trip on the road to Damascus, he met someone in blinding fashion. Paul was never the same again after meeting Jesus. Paul received a special gift, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In order to really understand what, this, what it means to change, it is important to understand like, what it truly means. Change is a permanent difference in our life that stays constant no matter what life throws towards us. For in 2 Corinthians 5.17 it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new is here. This raises the question of how we can truly become this new creation. In the end, this can only be achieved by bringing our struggles to the feet of Christ and surrendering them to him, for he is the only true constant in our lives. In Hebrews 13, 8, it says, or Paul says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the only true foundation that we can change our lives from. We can also know that Jesus will work in our lives, and we can trust that he will help us um, with our change. Even David was reliant on God to change his heart and desires. In Psalms 51.10, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. For some of you who have started on this journey, it may seem increasingly hard to keep your path straight and focused on the prize. My grandfather has a perfect way of explaining how to navigate this path. He grew up on a farm, and one of his many chores during the summer was to keep the fields cut. He always found that it was nearly impossible to keep the lines straight and always seemed to deviate a little bit when his eyes wandered. The solution he found to this was to pick a consistent object, like a tree or fence post, on which he would stay focused to keep the tractor from wandering. This is exactly how our journey in life should be, with Christ as our focus point to keep our path true and straight. Hey, uh, my name is Travis Roselle. I am currently a senior at Coopersville High School, and I have the second part of change. Um, Caleb mentioned Christian change is not restoration. It is completely tearing down the old and replacing it with the new. I fully believe that the next step from this change is to be a beacon to the others around you. How do you do that? This calls for repentance. The Bible mentions this in Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Jesus says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. 
No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. What does this mean? I believe that this verse is telling us to be people that inspire. Make people around us go, why is this person so different? Why is this person always smiling? How is this person so faithful? And once you become this light on the mountain, you then spark that idea to the others around you on how they can be different, like that person. You must become the light on the mountain for all to see, becoming a beacon of what, Jesus, what a Jesus-centered lifestyle looks like, looks like without condemning them for their sin and forcing them away from the one thing we all need, Jesus. With that being said, I think it is your Christian duty to call and hold your loved ones accountable for repentance. Again, I think the best way to show the importance of this is to look into God's word. Jesus shows this in John 8. A woman was caught in the act of adultery. He tells the woman to sin no more, calling her out, making it known that she needs to change her ways. This call to the woman that he makes is, however, not meant for harm, but more of a way to show the Christian love that we must, must spread to the ones we love most in order to have an everlasting relationship with them. Drop your sin, pick up your love, no, pick up your cross, and change your loved ones. Hello, my name is Mamie Southwick. My life changed forever on January 11th, 2021, when I came to live with my sister Olivia and her husband Brian. My life was not always what it seemed. I was very good at faking it on the outside in every way. My voice, my look, and even makeup hid what I was trying to hide from the world. I came to Coopersville broken, sick, and very alone, with only what would fit in Olivia's car. At my parents' house, I left a world where I struggled with anorexia and abuse. I had no control over what was being said, done, or how I reacted. I used food as my only source of choice. I hated my life, I hated my situation, but there was no help. I was told daily that I was a problem. I was the reason everyone was struggling. I had been removed from the house so many times before as a way for them to try and fix me. I had seen countless doctors and counselors, and every time they told me I had a choice to change, but in my own mind, I didn't know how. I was missing something. I didn't see God. In my old home, I was taught God was scary and non-forgiving. My parents told me I was no longer welcome to continue living there. It was Olivia or the streets. I felt shattered, unwanted, and confused. I didn't want this change. I didn't see God working. I felt like I didn't belong anywhere that I was unloved and had no purpose. That's when God sent my older sister. She didn't give me a choice of the streets. She took me in and gave me a home. She gave me a family and a place to belong. She showed me the love of God. At first, I didn't see how God was changing my life for the better, but little did I know what, what he had in store for me when I gave him the opportunity to change my life. I listened to Olivia and Brian and started a new life, but it wasn't instant. I struggled to give into food, people, and God. I was broken and had to rebuild everything. I had to learn to trust. It started with Brian and Olivia leaving the family in devotions and prayer. It made me want to know this God. I started at Coopersville High School, a youth group, a job, and focused on schoolwork. And the next thing I knew, I had a new life I could have never dreamed of. There were so many people who supported me through this change. Dory and Tammy were always there to pray with me after those frustrating visitations and long nights of second guessing my choices. The coaches and staff at Coopersville helped me so much with the transition, taking the time to make me feel welcomed. I made amazing friends who have surrounded me through this difficult change, even when they didn't know. For the first time, I feel like I am part of a family. I feel fully loved and have never been happier. 
At the summer youth retreat, it was the first time I found a real relationship with God. I finally fully saw what God had done for me and how he changed my life for the better. He gave me a home, he gave me forgiveness, and I gave my heart over to him and asked him to use me. Because of the people, this town, and these friends, and this community, I have found change. God has brought me into each of your lives and to the stage to be a light of change and show you he will bring you through. Do not feel sorry for me. I am not sharing my story to make you feel bad for me, but to show the world that God can change any situation when you're willing to change the surroundings and give it all to him, knowing he will change it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Good morning, CRC. I'm Taylor Lamsma, and I am up here with Gavin Baker and Annie Seedsma. We are all seniors um, attending One Way, and we are talking about the third and final step, Cherish. The definition of cherish is to protect and care for someone or something lovingly. In Mark 12, verse 31, it commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. God cherishes us by giving everyone his unconditional love and undying faithfulness. He wants us to cherish our neighbors as we do our loved ones, and we wouldn't be truly cherishing them if we kept God's love and faithfulness that he has for us in the dark. We aren't called to hide his great light, but to let it shine for the world to see. When the dust settles and God calls you up to heaven, will you be able to stomach the amount of people that you could have led to faith but didn't? Good morning. So cool. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when I was growing up, I had always imagined everyone being Christian and everyone believing in God and that one day we would all ascend into heaven like one big family. Well, sounds pretty nice, you know. Can't complain about that, but... Uh, in art, art class of eighth grade, I was talking uh, about God and Jesus, and uh, someone said that they didn't believe in God. And uh, that was the first time that I knew somebody that didn't believe as I believed. Now, as I got older, I realized that not everybody had gone to church and believed in God, and uh, just like, you know, like, like what, you know? So uh, our mission as Christians is to... Uh, be disciples of Jesus and to spread his word. So now it's time to have those tough conversations with our friends and our family, and the people that we care about, because there's just too many people in my life that I just assume that we're saved. Uh, Romans 1.20 says, uh, for since the creation of God's, sorry, my bad. <laughs> for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Jesus spilt his blood for us and died on the cross for something that he didn't deserve. Have you ever been blamed for something that you haven't done? Oh, okay. Well, I haven't because I never do anything wrong. And, uh, you know, it's just how it is, you know. But uh, imagine being blamed for something you didn't do and then dying for it. If we aren't going to share the gift that God has so graciously given us, especially to our friends and family, then what's the point? What's the point about caring about each other or having relationships with others or even going to heaven if we aren't going to be able to party with our buddies up there? What's the point of anything if we don't do God's work? Like Travis said in Matthew 5, let your light shine before others. It's time. It's time to break out of your comfort zone that we are so accustomed to. No matter how uncomfortable it may be, the risk it might have. Just take a second and think about what you're doing for your people and your family. 
You are literally giving them God's eternal life. Well, that sounded a lot better in my head, but like, you're, you're giving them eternal life through God. So uh, you're not only doing it for your loved ones, but you're doing it for Jesus. Jesus died for you, and so you can spread his word for him. Matthew 28, verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We are called to go and make believers of Jesus. I have a very close friend who I know does not believe in Jesus, and it is simply because no one has ever told her or taught her about him. And when I got thinking about that, it literally boggled my mind. I have grown up in this church, and I've gone to Coopersville schools my entire life. I just figured that everyone there was just like me, and it never really hit me how many kids at my school don't believe in Jesus. I have come to realize that my peers and I are arguably in the best mission field that we will ever be in right now. There are so many lost people in that school and the lost need to know who Satan is and how desperately he wants them to die without knowing Jesus. But more importantly, they need to know how much Jesus cherishes them and the sacrifice he made to provide us with eternal life. I cherished my friendship with that certain friend so much that I was scared to talk to her about God because I thought she might push me away and our friendship would be ruined. But when I was talking to my small group leader, Sydney, about the situation, she reminded me that without knowing Jesus, that friend was going to hell. There is no nicer or easier way to put it. Sydney reminded me that the uncomfort that a conversation might bring cannot even, cannot even compare to what is in store for her in hell. So when looking in comparison, if some uncomfy conversations is all it takes to open someone's eyes to Jesus, it is totally worth it. We are called to cherish people here on earth, and with cherishing them, we must want what is best for them, and that is eternal life with the Savior. Jesus is the only way to salvation, and eternity is forever. Heaven and hell are real places. So with that, I challenge you to find your mission field and use it. Get out of your comfort zone and have those tough conversations. Now is the time to go, because Jesus is coming soon. Hello, my name is Manaya. Would you guys pray with me? Dear God, we come before you with open hands and thankful hearts. We thank you for every person that made Youth Sunday possible, our awesome, awesome youth group and all the adults that come alongside them. We thank you for the chains that pull us towards you, for our brothers and sisters in Christ, for this church, our community, and your radical love. Please help us to overcome and break the chains that pull us to this world. We pray for peace over those who struggle with anxiety, healing for those who are battling an illness and grieving a loss, courage for those who are fearful of what's to come, strength for those who are battling an addiction, love for those who feel guilty and ashamed, hope for those who are struggling with a depression, knowledge of their worth for those who think they are not good enough, humility for those who are prideful, your presence for those who feel alone, and forgiveness for those who fall into temptation. Do not allow anyone to believe the lie that their chains are unbreakable, because you are an almighty God that comes when we call. Please help us to be consistent in our prayers and patient for your answers. We pray that you will create a radical, permanent change in each of our lives. Let us have a passion for you, change our focus to you, and eliminate distractions. Help us to pray honestly, read our Bibles, and grow in fellowship with others. Let us cherish, 
cherish the ones around us by sharing the gospel to them. Keep our eyes open for opportunities to share your love to others. Abolish any fears that hold us back from creating more disciples. Help us to prepare for any doubts that they may have by knowing the truth of your word. Please help this message as we go throughout this week and guide us and all God's people's